Welcome to another episode of the Programmatic Digest Podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Parker, and this is our 100th episode. There's always a better way to do what you're doing right now. Um, <laughs> so be grateful. Now they're just like, oh my gosh, there's so much more to do, right? And I was like, no, programmatic is where my heart is. <laughs> Amen. Listen, listen, we, it's been a very wild journey. And in the last month, I've been asking, you know, a handful of people, going to celebrate my 100th episode so how should I celebrate and one particularly friend of mine say well maybe you should talk about yourself interview yourself so <laughs> this is going to be a host interview a solo episode about their journey focusing on the mission of this podcast but also on me you know I'm not sure if I've ever had a full episode where I introduce myself fully I told you about the ugly the the good the bad the sexy the non-sexy stuff so this is it I'm going to talk about my journey and the reason why I started the podcast, but also the reason why I started in my consulting business. So to my friend Carlos, uh, thank you for recommending this. This is an episode for you. And yes, you will receive a mug since I went ahead and went with your idea, right? So I'm going to send you a mug. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again, everyone that's been joining. Big thank you. I'm celebrating you. I'm celebrating really The fact that you've believed, you've listened, you've tuned in almost on a weekly basis. You've at least downloaded on a weekly basis, whether you're listening or not. (laughs) I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's been a journey, an exciting one, filled with a lot of very lows, right? (laughs) There's almost no balance. There's either very low or very high. But this is an episode to say thank you to you and to show my gratitude. So thank you for tuning in again every podcast. So yeah, so I'm Ellen Parker. I'm going to talk to you about a little bit about my personal life first, and then I'll, I'll tell you how it landed to where I am today. So I was originally, I was born in Senegal, which is a f- small country in West Africa, and we were colonized by the French, you know, by France. So the official language is actually French. That is why you'll hear me say several times here on the podcast that my first language is French, the official language. And my name is pronounced Ilan, so the H is silent. So the closest way to pronounce it from an English perspective would be Ellen, like Ellen DeGeneres. My origins of Cape Verdean, which is a Portuguese island in West Africa as well. So y'all need to Google it, okay? Senegal and Cape Verde. And in Cape Verde, we were colonized by Portugal. So we speak Creole Portuguese, so it's a little bit of mix of African and Portuguese together. And it's called Creole. And of course, it's island-based, so every island has their accent, right? But we all understand the same Creole. So my grandma, who uh, passed away in 2020, was mixed Cape Verdean and Lebanese. So that's why I say, you know, I'm, I was born and raised in Senegal. I'm Cape Verdean, from or originally Cape Verdean. But my grandma is also Lebanese. So I celebrate all three cultures. I celebrate all three countries in my heart. I represent them and I identify as every single one of them. Uh, when I moved to the United States, it was for college. And then I ended up meeting my husband, Jay Parker, who I married literally four years ago. So we were dating for years. I don't know, about 10, 12. I can't remember, honestly. <laughs> Eight, seven, I'm not sure. So we were together for a while. And I think he's... One of the many inspiration I had and many blessings I had in my life because he really saw 
the potential when I didn't see my own potential yet. That is very important to say. And I said very loud and proud. And he was the one that pushed me. And at that time, I did not understand. <laughs> I don't know if you've been married or you're in a relationship, even, you know, partner to partner, you see it as more of a judgment than an inspiration. And as soon as I was able to flip the coin, I realized like, oh, shucks, this guy's actually, he got to my back. So shout out to you, Jay Parker. I uh, love you to death. Thank you for being the partner that I need and want. And also my biggest cheerleader as I am to him. And I would say also the reason why I started in marketing would be because of my mom. Y'all, for real. Mm -hmm. I promise I would not get emotional because I'm celebrating a big accomplishment of mine. So the biggest inspiration for me starting in marketing was my mama. She is the strongest woman I know on this planet after, after the Virgin Mary. And I think my mom inspired me to be in marketing. Like I remember she used to be, she used to be the director of marketing. I'm going to say maybe the title's off here, but she worked in marketing. She was a director for an airline company called Sabina at that time, or now it's SN Brussels Airlines. And so she used to travel to Brussels, the headquarters and back to Dakar quite a few throughout the year, not as much, but enough that I would notice her with her suit and her heels and her bangles. Okay. And her red lipstick, just going on the meeting, always really dressed up, okay? And also she would have those really big presentation board. You know, I like to joke about it. Like when you see Mad Men, right? He had the big boards and he was flipping through it. My mom didn't have that big of a board, <laughs> but she had them papers and she was flipping through it and I can see some graph. And I was like, yo, that's bomb. I actually really would love to be in marketing. And at that time, I did not know what it was. Marketing to me was a strong woman. The representation was the, a strong woman with red lip, okay, and a suit, badass, <laughs> going in leadership. That was like the muse that I had. And so from like really young, maybe 10, 12, I don't know. I don't know when I realized it, but from a younger younger self, I knew that I'm going to be working marketing because this shit is super cool. And then my dad is an entrepreneur. He has his own company in Senegal who's called APE. Uh, stands for Alano Petroleum International, and he is killing it. Um, so I pretty much was always meant to be <laughs> in the field that I am now. Um, so shout out to both of you, my parents, my mom and dad for this. And so I know I'm giving a lot of shout outs at first, but stick around. I promise you, you won't regret it because I'm going to talk about some of the stats from the podcast so far. All right. So fast forward, I'm in the US, got my citizenship. When was it? I can't even remember. Then decided to move to, started in the programmatic field, not almost accidental, but let me tell you. So I went to Virginia Westland College. First, I went to Tidewater Community College, graduated from an associate degree in marketing. And then I went to Virginia Westland College at that time, but now it's Virginia Westland University in Norfolk, Virginia. And I graduated from a Bachelor of Arts in I think they don't have a marketing one, but all of my degree was marketing. I think they call it business administration with a focus on marketing or something like that. And then I had already found an internship and got hired from the, the firm where I was interning before I graduated, even though one of the biggest thing was, you know, to work for Dominion Enterprises in Norfolk, matter of fact. Um, you had to have a college degree. So I was able to negotiate with the recruiter because you had to go through the recruiter. Even though you work there, you had to go through the recruiter to interview with him or her before he placed you or she placed you into the hiring manager's lap. I had to interview them again 
and you you know I negotiated to find a job before I was graduating even though it was like a month off right so they were lenient a little bit because he was pushing it he was like oh come back in June come back in June and I was like no fam I have no jobs <laughs> right now I am I think I was still working at TFC Recycling which was just like an admin person you know and I was like I don't want to work there anymore I literally just want to start my career So Domain Enterprises hired me, worked there for about a couple of years as a lead specialist, something, it was a long ass title. It's a, some, that's basically where I learned how to use Excel. Okay. That was a, a crash course of Excel. And I remember going back to TCC classes and being like, yo, I need to, to go back into my books and reread again. Because again, you know, I'm talking about only 2012, 2011, YouTube was it, but it wasn't as much on YouTube yet, right? And then uh, most of it was still not as digitalized. What I mean by that is that now you can just log on to your virtual classes and capture everything. Back in the days, you had the textbook. You probably still have textbooks, but you still have to flip to that textbook to read Excel stuff. So I'll leave it, leave it there. But anyway, so graduated from TCC, went to Westland, graduated from Westland, and then I had the job. And then I think it was something about uh, merging an, an acquisition of that department I was in. It was called the Employment Guide, and they got purchased over by two investors. And so they moved out of that firm. And when they moved out of that firm, I made the cut. So I went with the, the team. Um, but then six months later, was laid off. Okay, And it was the first time I was laid off. And I remember freaking out. It was the second time I had lost a job. So two, three years before I had been fired. Okay, <laughs> here's the journey here. This is my journey. I had been fired from, oh, I had been fired from TFC Recycling. I don't remember why. It was something really crazy anyway. And so I was laid off and they, you know, when you get laid off, they terminate the position. Usually they give you something called a severance package, which is just a little shmoney to say, hey, sorry, but here's a little cushion for you to have while you find your next job. Uh, but that cushion was not enough for anything. So what I did was, all right, I had some debt that I had acquired. So I used the whole money to pay off a lot of debt, right? Reduce my expenses by almost 90%. And again, it wasn't a lot of debt, but still it was enough. And then I hustled like crazy to find a job. I went online and looked at every single indie jobs that had anything to do with media buy. Why? Because at Employment Guide, I was a, I think it was called marketing analyst. And I was very involved with like uh, website traffic. And I was involved with making sure that, you know, I was looking at the analytics and they were not using Google Analytics at the time. I think they were using Adobe. So all of that stats online really attracted me. So I went back and looked up the responsibilities and then a lot of media buying, media buyer came up. So I applied to a handful of media buying where I saw print because the employment guide was a print paper. Okay. So I guess you can say that I started in print. <laughs> so fast forward, stayed without a job for about a full 10 days because I was hustling. I was, I had a, I had a goal in mind. So one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to go run at Mount Trashmore, which is um, a, a park, I guess, at in Virginia Beach. And I was running during lunch. And I received this phone call from a gentleman called Joe Delat. And he said, well, I got your application for media buyer for this traditional position, but I don't think you qualify. So I was like, oh, shucks. Well, th thank you for calling me. <laughs> and then he was like, but I do have this other digital media buyer 
position and I'd love I think you'll be perfect because of your you know your marketing experience at Dominion Enterprises and then most recently as a marketing analyst with the employment guide and so I went ahead and said all right so I went in and interviewed with Gabriel Cohen my really good friend that was back in 20 maybe 12 13 10 11 13 yeah I think it was like 2013 right after I graduated and and Gabriel was like listen we're building this uh, department is called programmatic media buying. It's everything. Your role will be managing campaign, ad campaign in this platform. We'll, we'll train you from scratch. We'll do everything you need. Starting salary is $35,000 plus a bonus. I was like, $35,000? Yo, that's big money. That's the most I've ever earned. And I was like, hell yeah, sign me up. They didn't even know what it was. He said, programmatic something, RTB, media trader. I said, sign me up, this money. I am very, 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 very motivated by money right now because I was a recent grad and I had bills to pay. And so they trained me. So shout out to Gabriel Cohen for looking into my potential. Literally, I, I interviewed myself into this position and he was like, you know what? Your spirit is great. You have, you know, your mind is in the right place. And you don't have the skill set yet, but I can train you on the skill set. I just can't train you on your character. So I appreciate, you know. So that's why right now, when I train and educate people, I always say that we like to use the word cultural fit, but I think I'm going to borrow what Daniel Leslie said. It's about cultural ad. What can you add into the culture? Yeah, you have to get along with people, but it doesn't mean that you have to fit. You can still get along and add your own, okay? And so... Okay, when, when somebody can see your spirit and see that you're truly trying to, you're looking forward to for growth and you're willing to challenge yourself for the unknown and that you're charismatic and you don't have to be extrovert to be charismatic and all of the above. You can be introvert and still attract the right opportunity. And I believe that very, very firmly. So he saw that in me and he was like, I can train you on all the skill set. So boom. And that's how I got the job. So I was one of the first traders. And then a month and a half later, Tasha Sosa, which I refer to very often on this, the podcast too, uh, joined. And then after that, my very good friend, Courtney Kuntz. Well, sorry, Courtney Jones. See, it's so crazy. I always say Courtney Kuntz joins Jones. <laughs> and then my other friends, Morgan Strike, Strike, Nop too. So we all ended up getting married and having babies afterwards. But um, so that's how we started. That's how I landed in the programmatic media field. I always knew I wanted to be in the programmatic field. I mean, in the marketing field, I just didn't know what it was. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're in a position where, oh, shucks, well, marketing and stuff is really cool. Like I really want to work in that, but I don't know where. Programmatic advertising is very challenging. It's very fulfilling. It's also very lucrative uh, line of of business, a uh, field of business, I would say. It gives you, in my opinion, a little bit more challenges outside of something like paid search or something like paid social. And I'm saying that the other ones are not good. Okay, let's get it clear. I am just referring to those two to make sure that you understand there is much more than search and social and programmatic can pretty much fill those voids. So started without, so I was very lucky to get hired without having the proper skill set. Now, today, this is it's it's harder to get as lucky as I was back in 2012. Back in 2012, the industry was almost like growing exponentially. You know, it was still in its infancy at that time. It had been around for maybe five years. I'm going to say maybe less. I'm not sure. 
Um, I'm sure some OG listening to this will, will correct me in my DMs soon <laughs> and then I'll share. But yeah, so it was fairly new. So agencies were willing to really build from scratch and invest. And that's what they did. And I, I was lucky enough. So if you're listening to this, that's one of the reasons why I created the course, The Reach and Frequency, because I realized like, dang, if it was me, if me in 2012 was me now, she probably would not have been able to, to find programmatic jobs as easy as she did before, right? Uh, why? Because now some agent, agencies are not willing to invest as much in evergreen folks, like people that are kind of green from the industry, don't know the ecosystem or don't know how to define it. And we got to be for real. So that's why I created the, the Reach and Frequency course. It's because of, of just that. I really wanted to be able to give the opportunity for anyone again me in 2012 i was thinking about myself in 2012 if i had not landed this job how would i've done it well honestly unless you know the vendor unless you know what programmatic is unless you know how to look for programmatic education even on youtube to be very honest you would really think about right we, we're such in a niche industry but yet it represents 155 billion dollars 155 billion dollars so there's a way to really make make money in this industry but also to be fulfilled it offers a lot of flexibility it offers a lot of challenges uh fulfilling challenges and sometimes overwhelming uh, but any job you have nowadays especially in america can be stressful can be overworked you can't feel burnt out a little bit so I'm going to bring it back to, to my story real quick, but that's one of the reasons why I created the course, because I remember in 2012 thinking like, dang, I would have never thought about the programmatic industry until, you know, unless Seventh Point had hired me or Joe Delat or Gabriel Cohen had reached out to me. So worked for them for about four years or so, started as a trader, got bumped up to planner and then got bumped up to the director position. And then in 2017, early 2017, was laid off again, okay, from that position. They was terminating the department. And so I can't remember exactly why. So moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, where I was hired as a senior strategist. They call it the senior programmatic strategist, but it was a trader in a lead position where I had juniors. But when I first had the job, I was one of the only traders or somebody else. And then he left. And so it was only me. So again, I'm in a position where I'm the first trader or the only trader and I had to build up this department. So at seven point, it was basically building up from scratch. And I had the help of Tasha and I had the help of the other ladies. And Gabriel was the best managers ever. But when I got to seven uh, to Accelerate Digital, it was not a lot of process implemented. It wasn't very structured. So I had to go back and be like, all right, so what we just did in seventh point for the last two years, I'm going to implement here. And so for the few months I was by myself and implemented the process. And then Sanaa McLovin, which was a McLogan who is now co-founder of Digital X Media, your staff augmentation folks, go ahead and call them. I, I still partner with them on multiple projects. So Sonar came along, come along, saw my process and be like, this looks very black and white. <laughs> Let me sexify it. And she beautified it, add some, added some colors and restructured. And then that's how the media map was born at Acceler Digital. And then we went ahead and pitched it to the, the bosses. So this is your holistic document that will be able to communicate with the rest of the team because sales was involved, uh, the planners were involved, traders and the buyers were involved, and then you had social, and then you have search. 
And so everybody was using that one document and it really helped streamline a lot of new business. And that's how the new, uh, actually new business got developed. So worked there about three years and went ahead and pitch for, it wasn't a director position. I want to say it was a department manager or something like that, like the, the, the lead, because I was kind of acting as one. I was literally told I would have to interview for this position, even though I had seniority, I had all my receipts out. I had implemented internal streamline uh, processes, uh, helped streamline a lot of new business, brought in new partnership because again, I had a lot of experience with Seven Point and thanks with the trade desk because Seven Point, we were using the trade desk. So thanks to the trade desk, we had the opportunity to, you know, build up a lot of external partnership. So I literally brought help set up some of this apartment with the help of Sonar, with the help of the other individuals that joined the team after a year and was told to interview. So that was definitely a pride. I don't know if it was a pride moment. I don't think it was a pride moment. I was just like very defeated. And it was really sad because at that point, my, I allowed my work to consume me. I was in a time in my life in 2019, early 2019, I was in a time in my life where I was very stressed. I was very, very overwhelmed. I had just gotten married, but I, it was almost like outside of my marriage, like my wedding and maybe purchasing my home. It was not a fun part to be in because like, I did not like the Ellen I was. It was so stressed, so overwhelmed. And Sanar is the one that was like, called me and she was like, it was after a phone call with the team. She called me, she said, you know, it's time for you to go on a defrost walk. Like We would walk around the block because it, it tended to be really cool in the office. So I went on a default walk. This is my phone talking to Sonar. And she was like, sis, I don't even I didn't even recognize you on this snow phone. I said, What do you mean? She said, You literally went off on these, the team that we have. It was a kickoff call, kickoff call over X amount. And this job is changing you. You need to leave. Like you need to take a two to three day mental break, like a mental uh sick day, and apply to other position because this is just changing you and it's not worth it. This is not, it's not worth it. So I was like, okay, so I did call out. Um, I called sick and did just that. And that evening, her conversation was one of the hardest conversation I had to hear, but it was so needed. That's why you have to surround yourself with people that love and encourage you and support you and are not afraid to call you out. Like, y'all, you done fucked up. It's time for you to step up. And the reason why it hit me really hard is because I know Sonar came from a very, a place of love and she had so much faith in me. And so I went home. I did some serious self-care. <laughs> and then I told my husband, I said, listen, I know we cannot afford for me not to work right now, right? Because we had just gotten married. That was 2019, early 2019, think first quarter. And I told him, but before the end of 2019, I'll be working for myself, either freelancy full-time or, you know, contracting or something, but I'll be working for myself. So Q2. So I ended up finding a job at a PR firm where I was their programmatic person in a senior leadership. Again, if you want me to share salary, I will. So at seven point, I started at 35, got bumped to 45 at some point. But after commission that yearly, I probably took home 55, maybe. At Accelerate, got hired at 65,000. And after commission, because we had quarterly bonuses, probably was at 75. 80, I'm going to say, maybe 80. At PR firm, which is, Lord, forgive me, 
it's escaping me um the main name of the PR firm but over there I negotiated a start at I think it was 70 it was 78 a start even though I had asked for 86 but I wasn't confident enough and I was like oh I only have at that time I would have had only seven six years of programmatic <laughs> so I don't I can't you know I shouldn't be more than 75 right so it's limiting belief but it was not also not the lack of understanding of my worth and my ability to negotiate, which now it's another story, boo. But anyway, so I'm sharing these these salaries with you because I want you to realize that if you're above two years or uh, two years in this industry, three years, five years, six years, you should be well above, especially if you're above five years in the industry, you should be well above the 85, the 95 a year. Um, now. I am on the East Coast uh, of the U.S. So if you're somewhere else in the world, um, it might be different, okay? Or if you're somewhere else in the on the East Coast on, in North America, it might be different. So be mindful of that. But anyway, so I went ahead and was working while I was working at FWV, sorry, <laughs> French West Bond. That's the name of the PR firm I was working at. Had a lot of fun there. Uh, but then I realized like, dang, I'm literally the only black girl again at this agency. Oh, at this place, um, there was another one, actually my manager, um, I'm not sure if she was mixed or I honestly cannot tell. And then there was another gentleman who was also, I believe he was black. Yes, definitely rich. He was black. <laughs> and then everybody else were white. And why am I mentioning this is because you might be listening and thinking, oh, well, it is what it is, blah, blah, blah. But Ideally, I still found found myself code switching constantly. Remember, I had just spent six, seven years of my career code switching, even though code switching did not happen really a lot until Accelerate, because at seven point, my direct team was fairly supportive. And even during that point, I still found that I had to tone myself down. And so I got to French West Vaughn and I was like, more of that. And I was like, no, I'm going to look at French West Vaughn into my investors. I'm going to do the job well, as I always done, but I'm going to clocking at nine like they want me to. And I'm going to clock out at five like they want me to. And that's it. And so during that time from five to 9 p.m. or like they say, from 9 p.m. to five in the morning, I was working on my business. I went ahead and hired some freelancers to, who were helping me with my website because I had started doing it myself. I thought about the fact that as a, I liked a content a lot. I just didn't know if I, I didn't have the confidence for my writing in my writing yet. So I was like, well, what's the easiest way to do this is definitely just, I went ahead and started my, my podcast and the journey has been great. I've had some amazing guests on the podcast. I remember the very few, the first few guests Cross Prelo um, was one of them. Simplify CEO at that time. I had Shiv Gupta from U of Digital. I have Susan Wallace, who's also professor. So Professor Susan Wallace. We had Chalices, the team Chalice Algorithm most recently. I mean, we had a Mike Knight on the, the, the podcast, but we've also had a lot of like traders. We've had buyers. We've had guests such as Alexa Smith on project management. I've had Dr. Fu on here. So I've really loved the fact that I've diversified this podcast as much as possible. And we have some cool, exciting things coming up, right? When I started my podcast, then I got late, I got fired from that last job. And then that's it, then found out that I was pregnant. And long story short, in the last three years, I have built a six figures business. 
I have created a super strong and powerful uh, content strategy that has impact on lives that I could never think about having impact on. And what I mean is that literally every time I would post on LinkedIn, on my Twitter, on my Instagram, I would literally get people reaching out to me and saying things like, let me see, you know, I started following your page after hearing your episode on ad tech unfiltered podcast and recognize myself in your decision to become a programmatic consultant. I started working as a freelancer a few years back, blah, 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 blah. Um, anyways, from what I heard so far, you're doing a great job and I'm sure I'll be able to learn from you. Here's another one that really states into my heart is a gentleman had reached out to me and say, hey, I just signed up to the course, but also registered to a webinar I've done in May about optimization. And I have a, I have a baby now that's crawling and trying to put herself up on everything. So my schedule is all over the place. But thank you for everything you're doing. There's not a lot of info out there for media buyers, traders. And having had to learn from wikis, Reddit, and DSPs rep, your videos and course are a great resource. So that is really bomb that was said. That. Here's one last one. Um, and those are literally random people that message me on LinkedIn. And sometimes they find my email and send it to me in my email. But literally, this lady said, oh, thank you for connecting with me. I hope your week is going well. I'm just starting my transition into programmatic advertising field and found your profile on IG. Love your content. I subscribed to the podcast last week. Great content that I've listened to so far. Nice work. When you hear different people just reaching out to you, it feels great. And I'm not doing what I'm doing to receive those uh, comments, but it's it always feels great when somebody is just reaffirming like, yo, actually, I listened to this content and I could relate to you. And that is why I'm doing what I'm doing. So Helen Parker Consulting is focusing on training and education, and we do it from a a team perspective, right? For five, 10 plus. But, you know, in the last year, a lot of individuals reach out to me and say, we can't afford a team workshop right now, but do you have any content that can help us with X? I basically standardized um, the training I offer from a team perspective, that content into a course. And so with the course, I target people that have no marketing experience, even no programmatic experience. Why? Because as I mentioned earlier, back in 2012, it was easy to find. I mean, it was more likely for a company to invest from scratch into you. But now they expect you to have some level of fundamental skill set, which includes anything from what is programmatic advertising, why it's important from a publisher perspective, from an advertiser perspective or brand, and from an agency perspective. Why? Okay. Understanding the programmatic ecosystem. Who are the main key players? Like who are the DSPs? Who are, what is the DSP? Why we're using it? What are the roles? What is important? How to use a DSP or how to sign up to a DSP? Same thing with SSP, same thing with like a DMP, a D what is a data provider? Um, and then I introduce ad fraud prevention. I introduce brand safety prevention. I introduce reporting. What does that mean? Data analytics. And the biggest thing about programmatic is that buying aspect of that. So during the programmatic auction, how does that even happen? How many auctions are there out, uh, there, out there? <laughs> so we talk about pri uh, private against open web, open web, sorry. We talk about non-guaranteed and guaranteed. And then in the fundamentals, again, I'm, I'm citing the fundamentals, which I think would be really important to understand and being confident enough to explain each concept. But 
understanding why these exist, right? The different auction, but also like the placement, like what is display? What's the difference between pre-roll and audio? What does that look like? And then of course, the beauty of programmatic is the targeting. So talking about those tactics, what they represent, what they are, how to use them. So those are what I call the fundamentals. Like in order for you to start um, interviewing, in the industry, you'll have to be able to explain these, right? Especially at the entry level. So you might be entry level in the programmatic space, but you may have also soft skill set that you've acquired, including, okay, communication skill set, like presentation skill set, written skill set, decision making. If you were a lead or a team lead, a supervisor, customer service. Customer service is really important. Anywhere you go, sometimes your customers are the people working with you, not for you, but working with you like customer service or the account management team. You want to make sure to be able to, you know, provide a certain level of services for you. There are a lot of those skill sets that you can transfer into the industry. And here's an, a final thing I'll say, okay, because we're coming to a close. When you're looking at this industry, I would really say that it can be very overwhelming because it's very tech heavy, right? You have to use this technology. You have to manage multiple technology at once sometimes, but... I'm going to encourage you to just challenge yourself because if you are considering tech jobs, you know, jobs in the technical, in the tech field, maybe you should consider ad tech, okay? And the reason why I'm saying this is because I pour a lot of effort into this course for that. I want to make sure that people understand what it is, how to get started in it. Sometimes it's making sure that you have access to the right amount of information. Every single person that taken the course have admitted that, oh, snap, this is actually really helpful, especially module five, six, seven, because module five, I talk about, you know, the different targeting capabilities. So I talk about what is retargeting, behavioral, you name it, first party data. I have a special, matter of fact, some of the episodes that we just did were pulled from the free lessons uh, about identity solution. But like module six is about programmatic activation. Like now that we know everything, all the fundamentals, how does it all come together? Well, we focus on the people, we focus on the platform, and we focus on the processes. Those are the three success pillars in programmatic activation. If you're running a programmatic advertising department, you need to have all three, okay? And I go over what that means for each. And then finally, in module seven, it's just like, okay, now, again, my course is focusing on training future traders, future planners, and even future account managers. And those planners and traders have the ability to really understand creating a media plan, uh, what does the strategy look like, how to create one. And once you create and run your strategy, how to you know optimize. Optimization is a big thing for a trader and a planner sometimes. So this is the journey that I've been on and it's been really great. I now have a full team of maybe five uh, individuals, uh, plus a handful, uh, maybe an additional 10 contractors. I have helped pass clients, agencies, or brand agency, uh, brand clients as with staff augmentation, meaning they just needed somebody real quick to fill in the blank while I trained somebody else on their team to take over that. Um, so that's been really great. And then I was most recently able to train a handful of smaller to medium-sized agencies, really helping them establish the structure they needed to scale and they've gotten back. I mean, some of the feedback, every time I do a workshop, I always ask those three questions. Like, what was your favorite thing you learned today? 
what is one thing you wish you learned? And then I always ask for additional feedback and some of the feedback. So what was your favorite thing you learned? I liked how Ellen broke down the connection graph so well and slowed down the explanation. It made sense when she gave real life example. Somebody said they like data segments. <laughs> what is one thing you wish you learned? The, gen uh, the, the person said, I learned everything I wanted to. Additional uh, feedback, great explanation and great breakdown, especially uh, when our team had to explain the concept to a five-year-old. You've heard me ask my guests, like, how would you explain what you do to a five-year-old? Um, and also love Beyonce too, because I have some crazy questions about Beyonce. And then once in a while, when I explain a really, like a really hard concept, I always like to ask like, okay, how did X made you feel? And for this one, I always have like, oh my God, like here's the four options you have to take. So how does this, this lesson made you feel? The hard concept lesson. And I'm always like, Oh my God, everything makes more sense now. The second one is hella confused. Interest, the, the third one is interesting. I'm getting a hang of it, but still feel new. And then the last one is always like, I'm giving up and switching careers. So 100% of the people that answered that said, interesting, I'm getting a hang of it, but still feel new. So that's positive, right? That's positive. And those surveys are anonymous because I want them to be very, very open. I want them to really share, but yeah, I think we're going to stop now. I feel really good about what's in the future. Like I said, the course is getting a lot of traction. So you'll hear more about the course. And of course, I'll give more free lessons. If you are interested in checking out, the website is reachandfrequency.live. Again, the reason why I created this course is because I wanted to more people that look and sound like me to really get an introduction to the industry and get them the right fundamentals right away. And every time somebody found a job, because after a while, we helped them get placed into those jobs. Every time they get placed into a job, the company reached back out to me and say, actually, you saved me a month of onboarding. This one agency told me I saved them oh, two months of onboarding because they graduated and were certified for my course. So even though we had a lower amount of people going through the course, let me tell you, it's about impact. It's not about quantity. It's about quality for me. So as long as you get the right amount of information, inspiration, I can sleep at night, okay? So thank you. Thank you again. I hope this episode was helpful and gave you a little bit more visibility into my mission in this industry is to share knowledge and highlight diversity. And I don't just say that like that. I really want you to understand. We're going to do DEI correctly and well. And so... Thank you for sticking out. Thank you for being advocate. Even if I've been doing this for a while, it's always nice to hear from you. So don't hesitate to reach out to me on LinkedIn or in my email or call me. I'm always looking for referrals because as you may know, as a small business, okay, as a female owned business and as a black owned business, we thrive on referrals and we appreciate referrals. So don't hesitate to send somebody our way, especially when it comes to training and sometimes talent acquisition. It's always appreciated. And if I can help you, don't hesitate. Those people that send those notes, I always reach back out to them once in a while. Like, hey, is there anything I can help you answer? Or I tell them, send me a question. If you have a question about a content I just posted. So thank you. Thank you. Well, from the bottom of my heart, like, thank you. Um, I think your support has really helped this this be so successful and we are just getting started. I barely scratched the surface. I'm telling you, I am all focusing on impact. I'm focusing on peace and I'm focusing on really empowering you that you're listening that is listening to my voice right now. So thank you again. And I truly love and appreciate it. And if nobody told you today, thank you for being you. 
thank you for being you. I know that you are not alone and that if you are in this space right now, I commend you because you want to learn more. So that shows how amazing you are and that shows self-development. So thank you for focusing on yourself and for trusting me on your journey.